Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's Pastor Jen, and I am going live today on YouTube and Facebook. And this is our Thursday Connect. We are continuing our book study on Be Comforted. And um, so as you jump on, if you would, if you're joining me in the chat, type in the chat, my name is, I'm watching you from, and um, just really want to encourage you in the Lord today. God is faithful. Hi, Anicia. Happy to see you. Hi, Sam. Welcome to Thursday Connect. Awesome. We're glad you're here. We are studying the book of Isaiah. So if you don't have this book um, that was our, is our book study, you can also look in Isaiah chapter 36, because that's kind of where we're going to start today in just a moment. So as you're jumping on, hi, Boriana, happy to see you this morning. We're actually going to um, finish on page 104 of the book. And we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, what he had to say after future shock and future glory. And then I've got a question for you. So this morning, as we meet together, as we um, interact in this book study, I want you to know I'm excited to learn about King Hezekiah today. He's faithful. He's uh, He goes through some things, but it's going to be awesome. So um Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here on Thursday Connect. Let me see here. Hi, Shanta. We're happy to have you. Hi, Barb. God bless. Good to see you. Um, it's just going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. I'm encouraged today. The prayers of the righteous last night have just really inspired me. And I've been on a call this morning with other Italian and uh, not Italian, international pastors from around Europe. And uh, just really encourage that we are advancing the gospel today. Amen. So as you're writing there, I want you, hi, Michelle, I want you to, uh, we always, I, I feel like this is our virtual table. So I want you to go around the room, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook, and I want you to get used to, at some point, we're going to start doing just from YouTube for a while to see how that goes. But today we're going to keep doing on both. So um Tell me something that you're thankful for today. I want a current note of gratitude, something you're thankful for today. For my friends in America, it's probably that you woke up <laughs> so early in the morning to join us. Um, I'm thankful for peace. I'm thankful for peace. What are you thankful for? I'll give you a chance to type it in. Don't be shy. What are you thankful for today? We have to start the day with an attitude of gratitude. Um, when I start with an attitude of gratitude to the Lord, it changes my perspective about everything. So what are you thankful for today? Type it in the chat. When we interact in the chat, it really makes it feel like we're all together. It's really awesome. I also want to say now, and I will say it later. Yes, Unicia for provision. Um, we are going to have a uh, lady Zoom and a men's Zoom coming up. Thankful for health. Amen, Barb. Yes, Boriana. Yes, the Lord's comfort. Amen. Um, uh, men's Zoom and lady Zoom. So you need to register online. Thankful for deliverance and protection. Yes, Michelle. I'm thankful that you're still a Braveheart girl after all these years, and you're raising a Braveheart girl there in Michigan. Um, we praise God for that. I'm excited because on Sunday, we're going to start something where we start sharing some of our online people with our on-campus people, and then we're going to get some of our on-campus people. So get ready, those of you that are typing with me, to make little videos that we put online so the online people can know we can all know each other. So that's going to be awesome. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all of the things that you are doing in each of our lives for health and protection and provision. Thank you for peace and deliverance, Lord God. And we pray that as we study the book of Isaiah, that truly, God, your word would lift us up today and we would be inspired to be strong in the Lord, in the power of his strength in our lives. In Jesus name. Amen.
And everybody said, amen. Yes. Oh, Shanta, that's for sure. We're thankful for the air we breathe. <laughs> yes, oxygen is so vital. So, so important. Well, um, I have to tell you something funny. My daughter, who used to live in the city, now lives on a farm. And they got some little lambs and they got a little baby cow. And they were in different areas. And the cow was just mooing and mooing. And little lambs were mooing and mooing. But what they figured out was the cow was crying because he couldn't, he or she, I don't know what it is, but couldn't see the lamb. And I always like to make a sermon out of anything, but isn't that true? If we can't see the lamb of God, we it changes our whole attitude. So a lot of things the Lord teaches us through animals and nature, and uh, but make sure you keep your eyes on the lamb and you won't feel sad. And, that, and that's a promise from God. So that's what I love about this book, that this book is uh, a study guide to Isaiah, and he's called it be comforted even though Isaiah has these predictions and these prophecies of future shock and turmoil and countries and nations that were turning away from God and he is reminding us that Jesus there is coming a day on page 104 it says but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night second Peter 3:10 but why is God waiting <laughs> some of us say come on Lord hurry up and come because God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. And I want to remind you that in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11, we read this before. I love this. It says that the sovereign Lord is speaking in Ezekiel 33, 11. And he says, I take no delight in the death of the wicked. In fact, let me read it to you again, because I want us to remember this as children of God, not to take delight in the death. At Ezekiel thirty-three eleven. I take no pleasure. This is declares the sovereign Lord. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they would turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why would you die? This is the sovereign Lord talking. So as we think about Isaiah, he's saying, be comforted. And you know why that's important? Because if you know someone who's living in wicked ways, God is saying, turn from your ways. I have a plan for you. I have something for you to do. And I'm not, I'm not this big God that's wants to just, oh, I'm going to take pleasure in judging you, but rather I want you to turn from those ways because I have a way of peace. I have a way of purpose. I have a way of passionate living. I'm going to say that again. I have a way of peace, the Lord's saying. I have a way of purpose and I have a way of passionate living. God wants us to live passionately, not blah. And that's a challenge right now. I know in the middle of COVID and restrictions, I'm over it. We can't go to a restaurant. We can't eat in a restaurant for any reason on any day at any time. And I, you know, don't love to cook. So <laughs> this is really challenging me, although we are doing well on our Daniel fast with our fruits and vegetables. The glorious kingdom will be established. Ezekiel 35 says, page 104. There will be no more parched ground, parched ground Isaiah 35, 7, because the land will become a garden of glory. Isaiah used the promise of the coming kingdom to strengthen those in his day who were weak and afraid. Because in the future kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of glory that's coming, there will be no more blind, no deaf, no lame, no dumb, for all will be whole to enjoy a glorious new world. We praise God for that. That is why this book is called Be Comforted, because even if right now you're living in turmoil, even in right now you're living in sickness, God has peace and purpose, and passionate plans for living, knowing that we can be strengthened even in our weakness. And he talks about the highway. The future is your friend. These are the last words from the book on the chapter that we're studying, page 105. Somebody could even take that last sentence. The future is your friend when Jesus Christ is your Lord. 
The future is your friend when Jesus Christ is your Lord. Hmm. The future is your friend when Jesus Christ is your Lord. Wow. Take a moment and say, God, the future is my friend. I will not fear the future. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. The future is my friend. God's got great things ahead for me. Now, tomorrow, and in eternity, the future is my friend. In death, I'll be with Jesus for life eternal. In life now, I can live abundantly above what I could ask or think. The future is our friend when we live as with Christ as our Lord. So here's a question I have for you. How can we as Christians, this is question number 10 on page 107. How can we as Christians begin to anticipate and prepare for the future rather than simply reacting to it when it comes? Hi, Julia. How can we as Christians prepare for the future rather than simply reacting to it? What do you have to do, Michelle? What do you have to do to prepare for the future rather than just react to it? You guys tell me, how can we prepare for the future as Christians rather than just react to it? Well, in a very practical way, I'll tell you one of the ways I prepare for the future is I use my calendar and I look at uh, the events that are coming up and what do I want to do for those events and for some, it may be birthdays for children. It may be I have a doctor's appointment in two weeks. It may be uh, we're going to have to have a kid's camp in the summer. And even though COVID has put a whole bunch of question marks in our way, Oriana, yep, you plan and study. Um, it's important that we keep planning ahead for that day. I want to be found faithful on that day that Jesus comes. Get organized. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bart, I've organized closets and drawers. I don't know about y'all, but if you have a, I have a couple drawers that like, I don't want other people to look in. That's my like, okay, I don't know what to do with this right now. I'm putting that in that drawer or I'm putting that in that cabinet. Uh, during this COVID time, I've cleaned out almost every drawer. I still have a couple to go, but many of the cabinets thrown away a lot of things. Michelle, seek the Lord, plant, serve the Lord. That's very good, Michelle. In the meantime, we must serve the Lord. I'm so glad you said that because as Christians, when we serve the Lord, um, God does something really amazing in our lives. I want you, I want to read this verse to you. Uh, my friend shared it on our Zoom chat that I was just on, but it's from Ephesians chapter six in the message. And here's this last part in verse, it's probably like verse 18. If you know the message, it kind of puts all the verses together. It's Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. But at the very end, it says, pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind. Julia, I love it. You said watch and pray. Ephesians 6, 13 through 18 in the message. At the very end, keep each other's spirits up. Pray for your brothers and sisters so that no one falls behind or drops out. So here's what I want to say to all of you, whether you're at ICF Rome in Rome, whether you're on ICF Rome online, whether you're in ICF, uh, whether you go to another church in your hometown, you need to get connected in the local body of Christ, in the online body of Christ, being a part of these kinds of studies, sharing them with others. Pastor Rick and I do something where at the end of the year, we measure all the, the videos and the chats and the Thursday connects and the prayer meetings that we put online. Facebook has a measuring system. YouTube has a measuring system. Live stream all of our social media platforms. In the first 10 years or in the first five years of being in Italy, in about five years, we passed the 1 million reached Mark, it was amazing. We were shocked and amazed. Well, I want you to know that this year, in 2020, last year, in 2020, we found out that we literally reached 2,300,000 and some thousand and some more. Over 2 million people in this. And we're able to also measure and 
gauge how many people did something with the message that we reached them with. They shared it. They liked it. They commented on it. We had connection with people engaged over 262 or 52,000 in one year. So why am I saying that? Because as we studied the word, some people won't pick up the Bible. Maybe they don't have access to a Bible, but you could share this book study with them on your social media platform, on Instagram, on other things, and give them a bit of the word. It's powerful. Okay? So how we as Christians anticipate and prepare, we organize, we plan, we pray, and we serve. Organize, prepare, plan, pray, and serve. Those are awesome things that we do. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for doing that. And it lets people from around the world, when they see this, like, wow, when I read in the chat, I see that one was from South Africa, and that was from the Philippines, and that one's from Germany, and that one's from Italy, and that one's from Michigan and Florida and Louisiana. It lets me know I'm not the only Christian. It's not just my city. It's not just my state. It's not just my country. Um, it's powerful when we keep each other's spirits up according to Ephesians chapter 6 in the message. So let's go on to start. It's a small book. It's an interlude. It's called in our book, Hezekiah. Can you see that? And um, I love that we've said many times, Mary Keary, my friend that's in Kenya right now, um, that Isaiah is actually like a small Bible. So in the Bible, we have 39 books in the Old Testament. And... 27 books in the New Testament. Isaiah has 39 chapters in the first part where he's talking about how it is then and the, what's happening and all of that. And then comes these next chapters that are going to talk about the coming Messiah and the prophecies that are going to come to fruition. In the middle is King Hezekiah, Isaiah 36 to 39, and he calls it the interlude. I heard someone say recently, help us to breathe the bridge, not the barrier. So Hezekiah, we can say, is like a bridge, not a barrier. So I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 36. Now, I'm just going to read a little bit. You read along with me in Isaiah 36. It says, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Then the king of Syria sent his field commander with a large army to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. When the commander stopped at the aqueduct on the pool of the road to the washerman's field, Elikim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah and the recorder went out to meet him. See, here's all these people. And the field commander said to them, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king of Assyria says. Oh, what are you basing this confidence of yours on? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you speak with empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? This is Sennacherib saying to Hezekiah. Look now, you're depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff, which pierces a man's hand and wounds him if he leans on it. And if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord, our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed? You must worship before this altar. So here I want to read something to you from Hezekiah 36, 7 from the Life Application Study Bible. This is my commentary from my big Bible. It's very heavy and I got a lot of notes and things in here, but this is my life application study Bible. That's why I use my Bible on my phone a lot because it's a lot easier to hold up. I have notes in here. I do write in my Bible so I can look back and see what God was showing me. Here's what it says. The field commander from Assyria's claimed that Hezekiah had insulted God by tearing down the altars. But I, I, Hezekiah was saying, you don't worship idols. We worship God. And making the people worship only in Jerusalem. But Hezekiah's reform sought to eliminate idol worship, which occurred on high hills, so that the people would worship only the true God. Either the Assyrians didn't know about the religion of the true God, or they wanted to deceive the people into thinking they had angered a powerful God. In the same way, Satan tries to confuse or deceive us. 
People don't necessarily need to be sinful to be ineffective for God. They need only be confused about what God wants. To avoid Satan's deceit, study God's word carefully and regularly. When you know what God's word says, you will not fall for Satan's lies. Wow. That is a powerful commentary on here is Sennacherib trying to bribe and lure and discourage faith in God. I will tell you that no matter where you stand on a political spectrum, the people in our world that are trying to say you cannot speak for moral rightness, you cannot speak for what the Bible says is right or wrong, that there's all this gray area and that we all should worship anybody we want to worship. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's one true God, eternally existent in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It says that we there will be no sin that enters into this beautiful kingdom that Isaiah prophesies about. And so we have to know the word of God so that when people say these things, we say, wait a minute, isn't that compromising? See, remember, we always say that there's a thread that runs from scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, and God is consistent. God is consistent. He creates, he has a blessing plan. Like Ezekiel said, I don't delight in the the death of the wicked, the Lord saying, I created you. I want you to thrive. But then man gets prideful and does whatever they do that's wrong. And something happens, sin happens. And then God has a redeeming plan to restore. And we see that happening in the book of Isaiah. But we also see Isaiah promising that Jesus, the Messiah, would be coming. And there would be a future glory that's going to be amazing. I want you to look at what the king of Assyria says in Isaiah 36, 16. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me. Come on out with me. Then every one of you will get to eat from your own and drink your water until I come and take you to a land of grain and new wine. Come on, I've got all these promises for you. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Does that sound like our day? Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says the Lord will deliver us. We're not misleading people when we say Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the way. I'm telling you what the Bible says. It's not my words. It's a book that has endured for thousands and thousands of generations, 2,000 years. Hundreds and thousands of generations have gone before us. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says to trust in the Lord. The king of Assyria was trying to lure, bribe, and discourage faith in the one true God. People of God, children of God, those in our world that are listening maybe for the first time, open your ears and hear what the word of the Lord says. Um, And then I want us to go on over. It says in my life application Bible from 3617, Sennacherib's commander tried yet another ploy to demoralize the people. We cannot let what's happening in our world demoralize us. Take down our moral value, our moral character. Don't let that happen. You stick to what the word of God says. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Sin is sin and no sin enters heaven. I'm not responsible for what you do, but I am responsible for what I do. And I am responsible for how I act and how I react. And I could react wrong and cause someone else to fall. I'm going to say that again. I could react wrong and cause someone else to fall. So I must be careful how I act and how I react according to scripture. Now then, here's what we see from Hezekiah. I'm on page 109 in our book, Be Comforted. Page 109. It says, except for David and Solomon, no king of Judah is given more attention or commendation in scripture than King Hezekiah. 11 chapters, not just in Isaiah, 11 chapters are devoted to King Hezekiah. See it? It says King Hezekiah. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him, there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, none that any were before him. That's 2 Kings 18.5. He began his reign about 715 B.C. 
though he may have been corrigent with his father, which means they were kind of reigning together as early as 729 BC, he restored the temple facilities and services of worship. He destroyed the idols in the high places, hill shrines where the people falsely worshiped. He sought to bring the people back to vital faith in God. Somebody type vital faith in God. I want us to come back to that place where my faith is not in government. Although I yield to government, I pray for government, I believe in government, but my faith must remain in the governance of God. I am a citizen of heaven before I'm a citizen of any, anything else. I'm a citizen of heaven. He sought to bring the people back to vital faith in God. He led the people in a nationwide two-week celebration of Passover. And he invited Jews from the north to participate in every work. This is from 2 Chronicles 31.21. In every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in the commandments to see his God, he did it with all his heart and prospered. Write that down. All his heart and prospered. Are you serving God with all your heart? Hi, Jemima. Hi, Jemima. I'm happy to see you. Are you serving God with all your heart? Are you serving? Are you just receiving? Are you serving? Are you just receiving? Michelle said it earlier. We serve God. That's how we plan and prepare for the future. Having this vital, active faith, he did it with all his heart. In every work, he began in the service of the house of God. He did it with all his heart and he prospered. Do you want to prosper? The Bible says you can prosper as your soul prospers and your soul prospers as you serve the Lord. And as you prepare for the kingdom of heaven, that's coming. God allows you to serve in a place. Now, I believe this is a word for someone today that you are going to serve the Lord. So I want us to go on to Isaiah 37. Here's a, uh, Sennacherib, and he's caused all this confusion, and he's telling them, you know, don't listen to what God is saying, and the people don't know what to do. It says they remain silent. So in chapter 37 of Isaiah, it says, when King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into, here's that word again, went into the temple of the Lord. We have started this month ready to worship, ready for prayer and fasting. I've got my Ready sign right here. Ready 21. I am ready, God. So ready. Ready to sing a God song. Ready from head to toe. Ready to raise a God song of victory. I can't do that if I'm not going into the temple, if I'm not worshiping with other believers. And so it says that he he went. This is what Hezekiah says. This, this is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace. And it may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the field commander who's come to ridicule the living God that he will rebuke him. But here's what it says. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. Pray for the remnant that still provides. We jump down to Isaiah 37, 14. Isaiah 37, 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers. Then he went up to the temple, to the temple, to the temple, to the church, to the house of worship. He went up to the temple and he spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, oh, Lord Almighty, God of Israel. You alone are God. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open our eyes, O Lord. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see us. And listen to the words of this Sennacherib giving insult to the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste. They have thrown their gods into the fire, uh, fashioned by human hands. But he says in verse 20, now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are God. And then in verse 21, it says, then Isaiah's son sent a message to Hezekiah. Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. 
because you have prayed to me concerning this wicked king. This is the word of God, the word of the Lord spoken against him. And Sennacherib begins to fall. Isaiah 37, 21, because you have prayed to me, the Lord says, because you have stood fast in your vital faith, the Lord is going to bring him down. Now, I want to jump over to page 30, because this is what I love about Isaiah and even about Hezekiah. There is a promise of harvest and return in Isaiah 37, 30. It says, this will be the sign for you, O Hezekiah. This year you will eat what grows by itself. And the second year, what springs for that. But in the third year, you're going to sow and reap. You're going to plant vineyards. You're going to eat their fruit. And once more, a remnant of the house of Judah will take root and bear fruit above. For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant. And out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Goes on to say in verse 35, I will defend the city and save it for my sake. And for the sake of my servant, David, there is always a promise of harvest and return. There is always a promise in Isaiah. That's why we call this book Be Comforted, because God says, if you do it my way, there's a promise of a return, a blessing. I'm going to take a pause for a minute, and I want to include you in this chat and others. I want you to type in the chat, what is a promise that God has given to you that you're waiting on, that you're holding on to? What is a promise that God has given to you that you're holding on to right now? Type that in the chat. What is a promise God has given to you like he gave to Hezekiah? Type it in the chat. What is a promise that God is giving to you? Don't be shy. <laughs> I have many promises that I'm holding on to. That he would never leave me nor forsake me. Yes, thank you, Eunicia. Amen. Amen. Somebody else. I have a promise that he give me peace that passes understanding. So when I feel in turmoil, I remember that promise. I hold on to that promise that he's giving me peace. And I don't have to understand it all. He's giving me peace. Yes, Barb, that he would provide. So that means I'm not going to worry. I'm going to know that he's going to provide. Amen. Yeah. What is a promise? Because I know I want you to know, just like Hezekiah, we have to stand on these promises. The Lord had promised Hezekiah that I'll be with you and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. So now we're going down to Isaiah. I want to say Isaiah and Hezekiah and it keeps messing me up. The plans he has for me are good. Yes, Shantha, that's awesome. Um, in Isaiah 38, we begin to see that Hezekiah is going to face an illness and he's going to be at the point of death. And I felt like this was so poignant to where we are in this that I want us to flip over to page 118 in our book, page 118 in our book. It's called the illness crisis. And um, I am actually going to send a quick picture to my friends that are helping me. So you, those of you that don't have the book, you can use this <laughs> and you can share it with each other as well. Okay. Page 118, the illness crisis of Hezekiah. So if you're, if you're following along in your Bible, we're on uh, Hezekiah 38. It says, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and he was at the point of death. And Isaiah, son of Amos, came and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. And you will not recover. Thanks for that word of encouragement. Appreciate it. Right? <laughs> you're going to die and you're not going to recover. Mm -hmm. Hezekiah, though, turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, 
how I have walked with you faithfully with wholehearted devotion. There it is again, that vital faith, that wholehearted investment. And I've done good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. It's not wrong to weep. It's not wrong to pour out your spirit and your heart to the Lord. And then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah and said, go and tell Hezekiah this. This is what the Lord God of your father, David, says. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears and I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you from the king of Assyria and I will defend this city. (laughs) Can you imagine? So Hezekiah is sick to the point of death. And Isaiah comes and says, uh, well, this is what the Lord says. Basically, get your things in order because you're going to die and you're not going to recover. But Hezekiah does not take that final answer. Listen, when the doctors came out and told us that Pastor Rick was going to die, that this tumor was eating into his brain and they couldn't stop it and that radiation couldn't stop it and they couldn't operate on it and they aborted a surgery that had never been done in 1,200 surgeries. We didn't take that answer and say, well, he's going to die. It's over. Never mind. We began to pray. Yes, we wept bitterly. We called prayer warriors around us. And I understand. I've had loved ones die of cancer, and I've had loved ones be healed of cancer. I lost my mother in a sudden, tragic, drunk driving. A drunk driver hit their car, and my mother was killed. My father and my brother were in the car and survived. I don't understand the sovereignty of God and the decision-making power of God because his ways aren't my ways. But what I do know is that he's sovereign. And until the day that he calls me home, I can keep asking him. The fervent, righteous prayers of the righteous avail much. The prayers of the righteous avail much. So on page 118, here's what I want us to see about this Isaiah 38, Hezekiah's illness. The word of the Lord said, I heard your prayer. I saw your tears. And you know what? You're not going to die right now. In fact, I'm going to add years to your life. So that thing that was a no, and you petition the Lord and you you cry out to him and you say, I'm, I'm giving my vital faith to you. The Lord may say, you know what? Because of your prayers, I'm going to turn this thing around right now. I'm going to make it happen in a different way than you thought it was going to happen. So here is the peril, Isaiah 38, 1 that Hezekiah is at the point of death. It says in our book, imagine how the people of Judah reacted when they heard that the king was going to die and Assyria is on the march. And they're thinking if a godly leader is going to die, then who's going to govern us? Wow. (laughs) So many parallels to what we see in our world all the time. Who's going to govern us? These, these wicked people are on the march. They've got wicked mindsets and, and we don't know if they know Jesus or not and how that's going to work. And maybe you thought that about previous as well, but I'm telling you, it's not about a man. It's about God. And so there was even more involved. Apparently, Hezekiah did not have a son. And so there would be not anyone for him to appoint a near relative to the throne of David. Would God's promise to David fail from 2 Samuel 7, 16? And why would it fail at a time of national calamity? But here, so there's a peril, which means a danger. Isaiah, Hezekiah is about to die and there's a peril. There's about to be a calamity. And the people are wondering, now what? We thought you were the strong one. Now what? That's why I want you to study the word. That's why I do Thursday Connect. That's why we do Wednesday prayer in scripture, Wednesday warfare, because I'm not always going to be here. I understand that. And I want you to know you can run to the word of God. You can know what God's word says, and he will hear you. He will hear you. So here's the prayer. The king did not return to the wall in a sulking manner like Ahab, but in order to have privacy for his praying. It may be too that he was turning his face toward the temple. Some have even criticized for Hezekiah weeping and praying, saying that that was selfish. It's a natural thing for for us to want to continue to live. Furthermore, Hezekiah was burdened for the future of the throne and the nation. Hezekiah did not ask God to spare him because he had been such a faithful servant. 
That would have been a form of bribery. He was saying to God, spare him so he could continue to serve and complete the spiritual restoration. This was the prayer. Remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion have done what was good in your eyes. So many people pray, God, get me out of this situation. If you get me out of it, I'll be better. And then God gets us out of it and we forget God. Don't forget God. Now is the time to serve God in the house of God, in the temple of God, with the people of God, in the word of God, in the worship of God. Now is the time more than ever. Uh, this year is going to be challenging because we're sick of last year and in lockdown and all that, but we're not finished with it yet. And there's still uh, many different viewpoints on life and things. But I said before, when we come together, we come together in the word of God. We come together in the love of God. And he hears our prayers. So he, then here's, this is how Isaiah is so beautiful in the book of Isaiah, why we can be comforted. Here's the promise. The request was granted quickly for Isaiah. The prophet became the king's physician, Isaiah 38, 21. Isaiah had said, prepare a poultice of figs and apply it to this thing and you will recover, Dr. Isaiah. The prophet became the king's physician. <laughs> okay. So he tells the attendants what medicine to apply. God can heal by using any means he desires. He told the king that his life would be prolonged. The king asked for confirmation of the promise and God gave him a sign. The sundial was probably a pillar whose shadow marked the hours. And another promise, Isaiah assured the king that the Assyrians would not capture Jerusalem. So there's a peril. There's a prayer, there's a crisis, and there's a call to action. There's a peril and a prayer, a crisis and a call to action. And there is a promise. There is a confidence in God that he will prevail. And then we see in Isaiah 38, 9 through 20, here's Hezekiah after his illness and recovery. He has a, I want you to see these three points. He has a new appreciation for life. He has a new appreciation for prayer and he has a new appreciation for opportunities for service. Wow. So we see in nine through 12, he says in the prime of my life, must I go through the dates of death? I said, I will not again see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. No longer will I look on mankind and be with those who now dwell in this word. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life. I waited patiently. <laughs> hey, can you type that in the chat? Maybe it's a prophetic word for all of us. I waited patiently. That's Isaiah 38, 13. I waited patiently till dawn broke. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a morning dove. I am troubled. Oh, Lord, come to my aid. What can I say in verse 15? What can I say? He has spoken to me. He himself has done this. I walk humbly all my years. Lord, by such things men live and my spirit finds life. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely, it was for my benefit. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You put all my sins on your back. For the grave can't praise you and death can't sing your praise. The living, the living praise you. I'm ready to worship. As I am doing today, fathers tell their children about your faithfulness. Wow. Isn't that powerful? So he had a new appreciation for life. He had a new appreciation for prayer. He says, I waited patiently. I cried like a swift. I mourned like a moaning dove. I prayed fervently. Were it not for prayer, Hezekiah wouldn't have made it. He would have taken that. You're going to die. Get your stuff in order and go home and die. But prayer changed the future of Hezekiah's life. Prayer changed the future of Hezekiah's life. Mm. 
God heard the prayer of the righteous servant, the one who had been faithful in his vital faith of serving the Lord Most High. Hezekiah examined his own heart, confessed his sins. He says, God took on those sins, undertake for me, be my surety and stand with me. And he ended with a new appreciation for opportunities for service. And we see that in 15 through 20. I will walk humbly. I will walk humbly. He wasn't going to say, look what God did to me. He was going to say, God did this so that I could tell you, don't stop trusting the Lord. Don't stop serving the Lord. Amen. I waited patiently. There was a new humility in his walk, a deeper love for the Lord in his heart, a new song of praise on his lips. I'm ready to worship. He had a new determination to praise God all the days of his life. For now, those days were very important. We see in Psalm 90, 12, it says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. I am ready to worship. I am ready to see the Lord do amazing things. You see, the prophet, I'm going to go back to page 110 in the book if you're there. The prophet, the account of God's miraculous deliverance of his people is given in Isaiah 36 to 37. Bible students generally agree that Hezekiah's sickness and foolish reception of the envoys took place before the Assyrian invasion, possibly between the time Hezekiah sent a tribute and Sennacherib broke the treaty. So why aren't these things in chronological order? The prophet arranged the account as a bridge. So he put this in the middle to be the bridge between the two parts of his book. Chapters 36 and 37 in the first part of the book with the emphasis on Assyria Chapters 38 and 39 introduce the second part of the book with an emphasis on Babylon. And Isaiah mentions Babylon earlier, but this is the first time he clearly predicts Judah's captivity in Babylon. Chapters 36 to 39 teach us some valuable lessons about faith, about prayer, and the dangers of pride. Though the setting today may be different, the problems and temptations are still the same. For Hezekiah's history is our history. Hezekiah's God is our God. And we see there in Isaiah 38, verse 19, he said, the living, the living praise you. Isaiah 38, 19, the living praise you as I am doing today. Fathers tell their children, about your faithfulness. The Lord will save us and we will sing with stringed instruments. We do that in the temple. We sing with stringed instruments all the days of our life. All the days. Somebody needs to write all the days. All the days of our life in the temple of the Lord. When we break down the Bible verse by verse, word by word, phrase by phrase, and we understand the history of what was happening God speaks to us. I have lived for many decades. I am I have read through the Bible many times and now I'm reading through the, the book of the New Testament again for the beginning of this year. And I love that even in, in the book of Luke, um, it says, hang on a second, let me give it to you. Uh, Luke. Uh. Oh, I didn't highlight it in this version. Hang on a minute. Okay, let's see. So in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And then we have the Lord's Prayer. Okay? Um, in another, in... Luke chapter, wait a minute. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1, Jesus called them together and gave them power and authority. Jesus gave us power and authority, okay? Um, in Luke chapter 8, I'm going backwards because I've been reading, but Jesus traveled proclaiming the good news of the gospel, amen? 
when Jesus finished saying this, people, there was someone sick and he prayed and that sick person was made well. Okay. Um, in Luke four, we see Jesus was full of the Holy spirit before he went into the wilderness. So what I'm saying to you is that if all the days of our life, we're going to live like Christ and we're going to allow the Lord to save us, then we have to prepare for the coming kingdom. And what that means is not only do I want to go to heaven, but I want a whole bunch of people to go to heaven, not only with me, but because of me. And certainly not in spite of me, right? That I don't want to cause one person to stumble. You have people around your life that I will never come in contact with. We each have people that we influence. So as we come together in the temple to serve the Lord, it's not about me anymore. It's about him. Serving the Lord in the temple is not about me. It's about him. And as we do that, we gain strength. We talk about when we worship and praise, we're those vessels of honor, but we spill out and we get empty. And when we come into the temple to worship the Lord, we're getting filled back up. It's pride and arrogance and the enemy's lies that make you think because this last year you were able to do so much and not be inside of a church building. But many of us were in church together online and that's how we stayed strong. I will tell you that for me, knowing that I was with you online on Sundays, on Wednesday nights for prayer, on third, wherever I was, whatever time zone I was in, that we were together, I gained strength from that. And so Isaiah is saying, somebody may be coming to you with this word of doom, despair, and destruction. Hang on. That guy's saying, you're going to die. Get your stuff in order. But be like Hezekiah. Turn to that wall in the temple. Turn to that prayer time together. Weep and cry out to the Lord and say, God, I want you to give me more life. I, want, I don't want this to be a, a death and destruction analysis, diagnosis, what the doctors have said, what the enemy has said, what the bank has said. God is in charge of your life. God is in charge of my life. When Jesus is in it, I'm not finished. When Jesus is in it, I'm not finished. And today, more than ever before, because I know that time and time again, this life makes us weary. And this season of time, we can learn from Isaiah. We can learn from Hezekiah that faith, prayer, and rebuking pride Faith, prayer, and rebuking pride, walking humbly with Jesus is how we will persevere. I want you to know that God has a promise. So as we go into the next portion of scripture, and we're going to go into chapter 8 in our book, Isaiah um, 36 through 39, but I want to look in closing at Isaiah chapter 40. And if you have a prayer request, if you have something that's on your heart that we can pray with, I go back and read the chat. Um, you'd say, you know, hey, Thursday Connect, pray for me for this. Um, I want you to type that in the chat, a prayer request that you have. Um, I'm thankful that God is answering our prayers, that no matter what the diagnosis is, God is bigger. I'm thankful that I have a friend who had a tumor uh, something, a mass removed from her back. And they thought that she was going to have to have chemo and treatments. And they said, we got it all. There's no more treatment. We'll come back in six months and we'll see you. You're looking good. That was an answer to prayer. I know G is on this and she had a, 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 a similar scare and, and she got a good report from her doctor. Um, some of you are waiting on God for provision, but you're not sitting there doing nothing. You're serving. You're serving faithfully to the Lord. And God, that's it. That's it, Eunicea. We're one prayer away. We're one prayer away from that miracle. So here, this is even, you know, this is why it says be comforted. But I want you to see it if you can in my book. It says words of comfort. Words of comfort. Isaiah chapter 40. I love my Bible. I want you to know this is God's word to you and me. Uh, I think Boriana said it before that she puts her name in there when it says you or 
you know, this is what the Lord is saying to me, Boriana. This is what the Lord is saying to me, Jennifer. Um, when I don't have my father, many of us don't have our earthly parents for whatever reason. But my father, God, wrote me this amazing love letter, this amazing life manual. And when I don't know what to do, I hold it close. I say, God, I need you. I need you every hour. Oh, I need you, Lord God. And we can be comforted with the words of Isaiah. Here's what it says in Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Barb. It says Jerusalem, but speak tenderly to Boriana. Speak tenderly to Michelle. Speak tenderly and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has been received from the Lord, that she will receive from the Lord double for her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for God. There is a way that you must walk in, and it is the way of righteousness. It is the way of holiness. Social media and the news would like you to believe that you can live any way you want. Yes, we are all created equal in the eyes of God because he made us. But our sin can separate us from God. We are all created equal, but our sin can separate us from God. And so we must be careful to understand with wisdom and discernment and prepare the way for that straight highway that leads to God. Every valley will be raised up and every mountain brought down. The rough ground will become level. Anybody walking on rough ground? Anybody walking on rough ground? The rough ground will become level and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And it says in verse eight, the grass withers and the flowers fail or fall. But the word of our God stands forever. Isaiah 48, the grass withers and the flowers fall. That's kind of where we are in winter right now, right? It seems like some things have withered and some flowers have fallen off the tree. But the word of the Lord stands forever. What we can learn from Isaiah and Hezekiah in Isaiah chapter 38 is that even though that thing seems to be withered and the flowers are off the, tree, the plant, God is doing something in the root system of our lives that will make us flourish in the springtime, not just the literal spring, but the spiritual springtime. And I believe we're about to approach a spiritual springtime where those things that the roots have been protecting and guarding and deepening so that the winds and the waves and the rains would not uproot us. That when that spiritual springtime comes, God is making you ready to begin to bloom and blossom. So do like King Hezekiah did. Serve the Lord with that vital faith in the house of the temple of God. And watch how God will bless you. And he will say, as he said to Hezekiah, because you prayed, I have heard your prayers. I have seen your tears and I am adding years to your life. For some of you that are young, that's a good promise. You got years ahead of you and God wants them to be years of abundant living. You're going to declare from one generation to the next, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And for those of us that have lived a few decades, that God has a promise to add years to our life. That's a promise I'll take. I got grandkids that I want to do fun things with. I did fun things with my grandma and I'm going to do fun things with my grandkids. I laugh with them when the little lambs are bleeding and the cow is mooing <laughs> and they decide to call their lamb Lambo, <laughs> like Lamborghini Lambo. God is faithful and he is ready for you to spiritually bloom. Are you ready? Are you ready? If something looks like it died, but it didn't really die and it's just in hibernation, God's doing something in the soil of your soul. And he, yes, Inicia, <laughs> we're ready. We're advancing the kingdom. We're ready, God, from head to toe, ready to raise a God song of victory 
for 2021. I love you and I will stand with you on any of those prayer requests that you have put in the chat, that God would provide, that he would continue to heal and that you would hear the word of the Lord. I heard your prayers. I've seen you praying and I'm adding years to your life. Vibrant, amazing years. I love you and we'll see you on Sunday. Please register. There's so many awesome things. Tonight, the Connect to Lead class is starting with Nasha. It is going to be amazing. He is a global professional um, world changer for the works for one of the UN agencies. He's a fabulous leader, a godly man, husband, and um, you're going to really love the work of Connect to Lead. You have to have taken Grow first. And then you can take leader serve, but you need to register. The young adults are having a Saturday worship. You need to be a part of that if you're a young adult, but you got to register. Print that registration off and carry it as your confirmation that you're going to church. If you need to prove that you're going to a church service because you're allowed to here in, in Rome. And um, so sign up for pre-service prayer on Sunday morning. Sign up to do a ministry. We need you to serve. Maybe today it spoke to you. Sign up. And we'll find a place for you to serve. I love you. Have a fabulous, fabulous day. Ciao, ciao. I got to close them on both. Okay. Amen.